Well, I, I didn't get to look around and see all the hands, you know, uh, whether there, there were visitors in the house. If you're a first-time guest tonight, can I see your hand? Okay. Good. I can bring it tonight because we're family, right? And y'all love me, so I know that you're not going to get offended or bothered. And Man, the Lord is good. Amen. Well, I really, I believe that God is bringing freedom to this house. I, I see the anointing flowing, and I just see God bringing so much to, he's got so much for us as a body of believers. He's got so much that he wants to accomplish in our body, in our church, and in this community, in the surrounding area, and I'm so excited that we're part of it. Aren't you? Aren't you excited to be here? Praise God. Well, listen, Kathy and I, we were down on the coast this last week, and and enjoy sitting out in the sun. And do I look more tan? Do I? You can only gauge it by my head, you know. But it should look a little bit darker, you know. Got some. But it, I'm so thankful it's not peeling like my back. You know that would look horrible, wouldn't it? So it might add some depth to. I don't know. But anyway, the Lord is good. And you know, we, sometimes we just love getting away, getting on a beach. Uh, I, I would love to live near a beach. And Kathy and I, we also we love, you know, cruising. I know that some of you have never you know, thought about getting on a cruise and you've watched too many Jaws movies. And, and, uh, and I remember, you know, our first cruise, Kathy and I have gone on a number of cruises and we enjoy that. It was a great place to take graduating seniors. As long as they didn't fall off the boat, you got them contained somewhat, you know. And uh, we've taken quite a few of those. And, but, you know, I remember my first time or two going and, and you, man, when you're going on a cruise for a week, you're packing for about a month. It's like... Doesn't it feel like it? You got all this luggage and it's just, oh my word, it's so, it's almost stressful, you know, and it's just, man, and you're, you're driving up, you're trying to get all your little tags on it, you got all these kids and you, you just got tons of this luggage. Does any of y'all know what I'm talking about? Oh, a couple of you there, you know, but well, when we got that luggage handed off, it was peace and joy and tranquility, man. It's like, oh, it was so nice. I didn't have to worry about anything else. They even took it up to our rooms. You know, all that luggage, it's like, man, Lord, this is, this is good. This is awesome. And, you know, I, I think about that in our walk today and, and about the, sometimes the, the baggage that we carry around. And I believe that you and I, we're all on a journey of some sort. And we're, you know, God wants us to enjoy our journey. And some of us are having some struggles with that because we got all this. If I had to carry that baggage with me all week long, that would not have been a good cruise. That would not have been a good journey. And, and you know, I believe that sometimes the, there's things in our life that we carry around with us. And there are things in your life God never intended for you to carry around like baggage all the time. That you need to be passing that off to where it goes and where it belongs and to the Lord. And there's things God never intended for you to continually carry it. And so a lot of times we're just thinking, well, we're just learning to cope with these things. And, you know, the message that I wanted to share with you tonight about relationships, I felt like, Lord, I, you know, I want a confirmation about this. And suddenly I hear all these prophetic words starting to come from the platform and all the things that are being said about relationships, I say, Lord, God, you're wanting to solidify some healthy relationships in this body. You're wanting us to grow in the area of relationships and not only relationships, but how we relate to situations and how we cope with these things. And some of you, you just, you're just trying to cope with it. And I believe that 90% of the baggage that, when I say baggage, I mean in a negative connotation that some of the baggage that we carry around has to do with relational baggage, has to do with wounds and things of that sort and how we relate to things. Let me ask you in here in the house tonight, I know there's not that many, but how many of you have had some stitches before? 
Oh, how many have had over 20 stitches? I'm, oh, come on now, fishermen, you know, hooks. and uh, Well, how many of you, <laughs> yeah, if I had to be out on the lake with, uh, fishing, I'd have them too. How many of you, I know this stretch, how many of you had knife wounds? Hey, come on. Whoa. Yeah, I recently got stabbed with a box cutter. <laughs> it's not a fun thing, and especially when you do it yourself. It's just, I forgot all my Boy Scout days. And, you know, the, anyway, how many have had gunshot wounds? Whoa. Oh, my word. Man, this guy was a rounder. I, I, you know, I, I don't think he was ever in the military. I think he's just street fighting. No. How, how many of you, how many of you, like in military, you're wounded in military, you know, or something like that? And you got to, I just checking, you know. Wow. Not, he wasn't even in the military and getting shooting. And, uh, I'm going to have to have a talk with Pastor Chad. We didn't have to, but you know what happens a lot of times when this happens? What it leaves? It leaves scars, doesn't it? I'm going to have a neat little scar on my arm where I get to brag about getting stabbed with a box knife. And it leaves these scars. And, but I believe there's nothing that's greater than uh, the wound of the heart. A wound of the heart. And what that can leave in your life. Now, it really, I'm so grateful for the anointing that Jesus was talking about, how he was so anointed to, to set the captives free. That's innocent casualties of war to bring sight to the blind, to bring that insight and sight to us that are spiritually blind, but also to liberate the wounded, the bruised. Because so, when, when many times when you're bruised and wounded and hurt, you can enter into a captivity by that. It's like there's a wound of the heart that brings scar tissue. But what's good about the anointing is there's such healing that the scar tissue can be removed like it never was there and not, and not hinder you in any way. But I believe there's no greater wound than of the heart. And, and, you know, I believe that probably all of us have had some kind of a wound, you know, relationally in our heart over the years, and you may have these scars. But here's the problem is people don't know how to deal with it. They don't know how to deal with these wounds, these hurts, these deep down things. And, and a lot of times this common strategy is that you just deal with it, right? That, how, how many of you heard time heals all wounds? Well, how many of you realize it, it, it didn't happen that way? You just let it go and let it go and let it go, but it seems, seems to be there, and it just got worse as time went on, right? Y'all know what I'm talking about? I mean, I've had some of those things. It's like, man, it just didn't heal anything by letting it go. And the longer you let it go, the, it seemed like the worse that it got. Well, listen, I want you to go into Genesis, the 11th chapter, or follow along on the screens. And I just want to talk to you a little bit about an unknown story, a little-known story about, I believe that it was a hurt or a um, a story of not being able to carry through because of a hurtful situation and, and how he related it to it. But I want to talk a little bit about Abraham's dad, Terah. In Genesis, the 11th chapter, in verse 27, if you'll follow me there, this is the account of Terah's family. Terah was the father of Abraham, Nahor, and, and Haran. And Haran was the father of Lot. But Haran died in Ur of the Chaldeans, the land of his birth, while his father Terah was still living. Now, I know this is, a, this is a delicate subject, and I say it with love because many, some of you have lost children. And to me, I, I can't imagine anything worse than that because sons are supposed to bury their dads, not the other way around. Amen? And so I believe that this was possibly a wound in Terah's heart that he had to deal with. Let's, let's go on in, in verse 27. It says, no, in verse 31, one day Terah took his son Abram, his daughter-in-law Sarai, his son Abram's wife, and his grandson Lot, 
his, son's, his son Haran's child, and he moved away from Ur of Chaldeans. He was headed for the land of Canaan, but they stopped at Haran and settled there. And Terah lived for 205 years, and he died while still in Haran. See, Terah never made it to the place he set out to go. Now, there's a lot of mystery around this passage of Scripture. I've done reading in other texts and other things that related to this outside of the Bible, and it seems to be a mystery even why he left and why he didn't arrive. He headed for Canaan, but he never got there. And so I, I think that it's possibly because he never learned how to deal with this. The greatest relational wound in his heart and life was losing a son. And now the meaning of heron is uh, parched. It might have got to where he was at that place and said, I can't go any further. Now, this is as far as I can go. I'm just, this is it. I'm right here. And, you know, a lot of times when we've had wounds and challenges in our heart, we have felt that way to think, hey, this is as far as I can go. That's it. I can't go another step. I'm thinking possibly that could be of what happened in his life. And, and I, again, I, I know that this is a touchy subject because of all the things that has happened in our lives, but there may be those people here tonight that possibly are saying, listen, you, uh, you've gone through a divorce and you say, that divorce defined me. That defined who I am. Uh, the way my dad treated me defined me. I'm, I'm a messed up person. Uh, I was mistreated as a child and it defined me. I had this bad situation and brought so much fear into my life and it defined who I am. Now there's possibly people sitting in here tonight who feel that way. You could name something that happened in your past and if you look back soberly and openly and with clarity, you could say, that defined who I was and who I was in the past. Listen, and I say that from experience. When I was a little boy, when I was a young boy, I wasn't no bigger in a minute. Y'all know what that means? <laughs> I was so tiny my freshman year, they wouldn't let me play football in a B school. We can't let you play. You'll get broke. So... <laughs> Uh, that changed after that year, but I, I, early on, I had a couple of big bullies that jumped me in junior high, and, and uh, I lost that fight, and I made a vow that day I would never lose another fight no matter what it took to win, and that, that commitment to that vow defined who I was, and it wasn't all good. Are y'all hearing me? It wasn't good. And I look back over the years and, and wondered why I was like I was. It's because I made that vow because of that situation and it defined me until Jesus rescued me. And who did he rescue me from? Myself. And some of us, amen, some of us, you may be sitting here tonight and Jesus needs to rescue you from you, from the things that have happened in your life, from your blindness from your ignorance. Man, there's some things I'm so ignorant, I don't know enough to even ask questions. Now, I'm not calling you an ignoramus. I say you might be ignorant. That means you don't know, you know, you don't see it clearly. I didn't see clearly what, I, what had happened, but the Lord rescued me because he loved me and he had, he had a purpose for my life. And you see, the thing about it is this negative defining moment, that drive, because of that negative situation, can keep you from your potential, to keep you from who you could be. This relational baggage keeps us from our potential. You'll never get to the place you were supposed to go because of this baggage and how you related to something so traumatic in your life. Can you see that? I mean, sometimes you got to just slow down to look at your own life. Look in the mirror and see what you see. 
without anybody else around looking but you and God. You might see some things that you need to see so that the Lord can rescue you. Let's go to Psalm 73. Now, see, what happens is if you take that cliche that time heals all wounds or you just deal with it, you'll convince yourself you're doing the right thing, but you're not. You're thinking, I'm, I'm doing fine. I'm, I'm dealing with it. I'm functioning properly. And I got this aspect of my heart that's going to guard it. And you're not going there to change anything. But you never allowed the Lord come in to heal the emotions of your heart, to heal the damage to who you are. Are you all following this? Okay, let's go to Psalm 73. And, the, and David says, then I realized that my heart was bitter. And then I was torn up inside. Have you ever looked at yourself and realized, man, I've let bitterness get into my heart? See, when you got situations that come up, hardships, you got to guard your heart. You cannot allow the bitterness to get into your heart. And, and when you get there and say, Lord, I, I, I've got bitterness in my heart. That may be a good place for you to start tonight to examine your heart. You don't have to tell anybody else. You can hide it on your face if you want to, but you can't hide it from the Lord. But this could be that moment that changes your life. Here, listen, we're, we're reading an author and, and with a staff, and the author of the book said this. He said, I don't gauge my success. No, I gauge my success when I minister by the seeds I have sown, not by the harvest. I thought, oh my word, that's amazing. Because if you sow seeds, they're going to bring a harvest. So I pray that you plant seeds and you allow your heart to be good soil tonight for the seeds of God's Word to get into your life. The Holy Spirit reveal things to you to get down in your heart so that you can have a harvest of freedom after tonight. Amen. This could be the night that you're rescued from the Lord. He said, then I realized that my heart was bitter and I was all torn up inside. I was so foolish and ignorant. Now listen, when you, <laughs> when you face that mirror with honesty and you see how you've let bitterness get in your heart you think man what a foolish thing i have done what a foolish and ignorant thing i have done and i listened to this what he said he said i must have seemed like a senseless animal to you lord who's he talking to he's talking to the lord i must have seemed like a senseless animal and then what that tells me what i get from that when he's saying I, i'm an animal you know you're not your, you're not the smartest person in the world when you're going through hurt right. <laughs> when you say that <clears throat> Would you say that about somebody else? Ma'am, you're all messed up. You're not the smartest person in the world acting like that. Have you got the guts to tell yourself that? Okay, Pastor Stan, you're getting a little bit into my stuff there. Now listen, you got to understand this principle. When the enemy is attacking your life, when he's attacking your, your marriage or your well-being, you got to understand it's really not about your marriage. It's not about the thing that he's attacking, or that other person, there's a bigger reason behind it when the enemy's attacking you. Every attack of the devil is actually an attempt to derail you of your purpose, to get you off track of where God wants you to go, what God has for you. He's using that problem and the situation to stop something so much bigger. He's been down this road before. You and I need to step back with a, a different set of eyes to see what he's doing. And see, I'm thinking here that the devil possibly used Haran to keep Terah from Canaan. We get locked into that thing that happened when there's something bigger at stake. You follow? Amen. Trapped in that spot. Derailed in our purpose. 
because we don't realize that it's an attempt of the devil to derail us from the purposes of God in our life. See, God's got a purpose for you. He has a plan for your life. <laughs> you just need to get on the right track for that plan. Say, God, what do you have for me? So God is uh, he's wanting healthy relations, relationships with us. In our job, he wants healthy relationships in your ministry. And if you allow these negative things come in, it can pollute even other relationships. It can even mess up the good ones that you have. Not even just you, but your, the other relationships. Now, listen, have you ever been around a wounded person? Have you ever been around someone that's deeply wounded that they don't even, you're connected with them and you love them, but they don't even know how to deal with a relationship. And they've got themselves so messed up that before you know it, they're messing you up. Amen. Or maybe you're that person. Maybe you're the person. See, I'm just, since we're home folk, y'all love me, right? So I just speak straight. You might be that dad said, why in the world did I act like that? Why in the world did I lose my temper like that? Why did I take that out on somebody that I love so dearly? You might be the messed up person. You might be wounded of heart. Maybe you need to take the time to let the Lord show you and examine your heart and show you why you're so messed up. Because you might be thinking, I wouldn't be doing that if there wasn't something wrong. Sometimes you've been so blinded from the past experiences, you've allowed a bitter heart to get in there. And you need to realize that's a foolish thing to take place. We need to get smart with our lives. Amen? You could be that. Now, so when you're, when you're wounded, you can actually start wounding the people around you. Look at Hebrews 12. In Hebrews 12, 15. Did I print that out? I didn't print it in my notes. Here we go. <laughs> These guys are awesome, aren't they? Watch over each other to make sure that no one mess, messes, misses the revelation of God's grace. Make sure no one lives with a root of bitterness sprouting within them, which will only cause trouble and poisoning the hearts of many. And see, I looked at that in a different translation. It's talking about poisoning the hearts of the people around you. So when you allow yourself to get messed up, it's, you're not on an island to yourself. Everything you do touches somebody else. And when you allow yourself to be messed up like this, before you know it, you're polluting other people's lives. You can even poison their, their thinking processes. So, you know, there's three things when you see someone who's had a bitter spirit. When they allow bitterness to come in, man, it, it, uh, it, it makes us defensive. It makes us defensive. It makes us distant. And it also makes us demanding. When I say that, I look at some people that I, I say, well... Man, they, they're like a controller, man. You ever seen them trying to control? You ever seen someone that's had a controlling heart, a controlling spirit about them? And what it is, many times I've got to try to look deeper to say, hey, why are they being that way? It's because some, many times people who are trying to control everything around them, they're, they're, they're damaged, they're insecure, and they're trying to take control of it. And the truth of it is they're scared to death of losing control. And many times it's because their heart has been wounded or hurt and they haven't dealt with it properly. So, you know, the last thing is that, it, you know, it can destroy our, even our fellowship with the Lord. If you allow this to go rampant in your heart and allow bitterness to come in, it can mess up your relationship with the Lord. Amen. Amen. Praise God. 
I didn't have, I'm not, I'm like Pastor Wayne, I'm not having a senior moment. My mind is thinking about some things, whether to share with you or not. There's sometimes that we let things get in our heart that it's like an alcoholic. And if you let it go wild, you know, an alcoholic, you've seen the stories and maybe you know someone personally. Before you know it, they've lost their job. Next thing, they've lost their family and their home, their marriage and everything because of that one thing that got into their life. If you allow bitterness to get into your heart, it can be so destructive to get to where you're not even hearing God. Praise God. And the thing about it is our relationships with people, they're inseparable from our relationship with God. They go hand in hand, right? Throughout the Bible, it tells us that we need to to love God and love people. You can't say you love God and hate people. Oh, me and God, we got it all together. We love, man, I tell you what, love me and God, we love each other. But them people, <laughs> come on now, you can't say you love God and then hate people. There's something twisted in that. So the horizontal actually determines the vertical. So, you know, maybe we've wondered why we're not hearing from God and why we're not connecting with God. Maybe it's because we're not connecting with each other. Maybe because we've got bitterness in our heart toward other people and starting to close off our hearing, even from hearing God. Matthew 11, verse 25. But when you are praying, first, forgive anyone you're holding a grudge against. So that your Father in heaven will forgive your sins, too. When you're praying... When you're praying, you got to come to God with a great attitude, a better attitude, right? That means you got to deal with the problems right now. You can't let them go. If you got to ought against someone in bitterness, you need to deal with that and forgive them and get it right so that God can walk in forgiveness toward you. Why is that? Why is that so important? Because he knows you're going to be able to receive what he wants to do in your life. You're not going to be able to receive it if you're not going to be able to extend it to someone else. Right? We need to be able to, have you ever heard preachers preach on forgiveness? <laughs> I mean, boy, there are some preachers that can preach up a tornado about forgiveness. I've been in service and they preach about forgiveness. I think, oh, praise God, praise God. Lord, just give me somebody to forgive. Oh, not that one, not that one. <laughs> that one don't deserve it, you know. I mean, God's all about forgiveness. He wants you to walk in his forgiveness, but you need to be forgiving other people as, as well. I heard this quote, unforgiveness burns the bridge that you and I are eventually going to have to cross. So don't be burning that bridge because we're going to need forgiveness as well. Amen. So many times until we settle the horizontal, the vertical just doesn't work out well. I mean, are we willing to forfeit everything that God has for us to hang on to unforgiveness? Are we willing to forfeit all that, what God wants to do in our lives, just because we want to have an attitude towards somebody else? It's just not worth it. It's not worth our peace. So let me give you some ways to, to help. Let's go to Psalms, a couple of scriptures, Psalms 32 and Psalms 39. You need to write these down. Psalms 32, verse 3. Psalms 39, verse 2. You know, it's, uh, you've got to face up to the hurt. You got to reveal it for what it is, right? Now listen to these two scriptures. He said, "When I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. When I kept silent, I'm just getting eat up on the inside. My bones are wasting away. And when I uh, 
39.2 says, But when I was silent and still, not even saying anything good, my anguish increased. So if you choose to allow bitterness to get in your heart and not forgive, these, you become these two scriptures. Are you following me? I mean, if you want help tonight, you need to face up to it. Reveal it. Find, I mean, even if you've got to find an accountability partner that you can open your heart up to. My best accountability partner is sitting on the front row over here. <laughs> that good-looking one right there, that one. <laughs> I mean, to hear my heart, because she holds me accountable. There's nothing better than hold you accountable than your wife, right, guys? Even when you don't want them to hold you accountable? <laughs> They're good at that. So. But listen, you don't, want, you, don't want, you don't want that to be in your heart, because the anguish just it doesn't go away. When people just say, oh, time will heal that. Just let it go. It'll be all right. Just sweep it under the rug. It doesn't work that way, does it? Have you found that out to be true? And secondly, you know, when you've had a relationship that's gone awry or something like that, you've got to release the people that are involved. So that's when you know you've got bitterness in your heart that you want them to pay. That's unforgiveness. I want them to pay. And you've got to be able to release them. And, and, and you're going to continue to carry that baggage until you release the people that are involved in that situation with you. Amen? Amen? I wish there was another situation that you could do it without forgiveness, but there's not. <laughs> right? Wouldn't it be easy if we didn't have to forgive them? Burn their barley fields, Lord. Yeah. <laughs> Fry them to their toenails, as Pastor Dwayne used to say. Yeah, teach them a lesson, Lord. I'll turn them over into your hands, cook their goose. But it just doesn't work that way. God didn't work that way. Amen. And you know what? The thing is, when you, when you start walking that, I, I, I think maybe you start to become more and more like them. Well, that was a mean thing they did. It really did hurt. Then you can become that way as well. It can make you revert back to the old man. Anybody know what I'm talking about? When you let that bitterness get in your heart? See, God didn't set you free to be in that. Praise God. Well, I, I don't want to belabor that part. God's, he, he's, he's unable to work in your heart if, if you're not able to extend that to other people. And it's, it's not about the incident. It's something about you that Satan is trying to steal from, trying to destroy. Those times when Kathy and I went through such hard times, and I didn't recognize it for what it was. That's why so many times I say, Lord, open my eyes that I can see. And sometimes we're not seeing it because I was saying, Lord, whose fault it is? Is it her fault? Is it my fault that we are going through all this stuff? And then when it came down to it, the Holy Spirit said, Satan's just trying to steal your commitment. And I realized it's not her fault. It's not my fault. It's just an attack of the devil. He's trying to derail us from our purpose in God. And if you can take on that attitude, you can be free tonight where Satan's trying to steal from you. And the last thing is to refocus on God's plan for your life. You don't let that incident stop you from the potential. And this, there's a couple of great scriptures I want to share with you. Let's go to Genesis 50, and then I'll close with Job 11. Genesis 50. Now, this is where Joseph, you remember the story of Joseph, and I'm not going to go through the whole story. You can go read the, the whole book. <laughs> but here's a guy that was truly mistreated by his family and his his brothers. Horrible. 
And I mean, if you, if you would think anybody had a right to strike back at those that did such horrible things to him, it would have been him. And when they realized he was the man in authority that they needed to get food from and sustenance from, they figured he'd be the one to say, yeah, burn their barley fields, cook their goose, whatever. But listen to what he said in verse 19. Am I in the place of God, meaning am I to judge like God? He said, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done. Amen. That, that even speaks to Pastor uh, Jacob's message this last Sunday about being grateful ahead of time. Being grateful, knowing that God's got a purpose for my life. God's got a plan, and I can't, I'm not going to allow Satan to derail me from God's plan in my life. You know, whatever it might look bad, I mean, but God intends good to come out of this situation. Oh, praise God. Now listen, Job, the 11th chapter. Man, this is, this is an awesome scripture. I'm reading from the Good News translation. It's all about refocusing on God's plan for your life. Here's what he instructed him to do. The word to Job. Put your heart right. Reach out to God. Put your heart right. Reach out to God. Then face the world again, firm and courageous. That's what God's asking you to do today. If you've allowed bitterness to come in your heart, get your heart right. Get your heart right and then reach out to God. And then face the future again with courage and firmness. And then this is the exciting thing is the next scripture. It is, it is so amazing. When you get your heart right before God, what he can do in your life. Look at verse 16. Then all your troubles will fade from your memory like floods that are past and remembered no more. That's supernatural, man. I'm telling you. That thing that you're holding on that just caused the bitterness to seep in, when you give that to God and get your heart right, that can dissipate and never affect you anymore. That's the anointing of God that he can come into your life. So I encourage you to do that tonight. I mean, God is calling us to healthy relationships and to deal with, relate to situations in a healthy manner. Whatever it is that has affected your life, whatever's tried to steal from you, to kill, to destroy in your life, you don't have to let that destroy your life. You can have a mature mindset. God didn't give you a spirit of fear or timidity, but a power, love, and a sound, clear thinking mind. That's your God-given, blood-bought right is to walk in soundness of mind and to be free in your heart, to be able to face the future with firm and courageous attitude and be encouraged that God can accomplish His purpose in your life. Amen? Amen. As Pastor Terry is coming up, let's just pray. Father, I love you and I bless you. Father, I thank you for your word to our lives of freedom. Father of freedom, Father, that we have in Christ Jesus, bought and paid for by the blood of the Lamb, being set free by the blood of the Lamb. Father, I'm so grateful, Lord, that we don't have to let the devil win out in our lives any longer, that we can be free of the torments and the challenges of the enemy who is so subtle and deceitful, stealing and robbing from our lives and from our happiness. Lord, I pray tonight that lives will be mended and relationships healed, marriages healed tonight, Father, as we turn it over to you and put it into your hands. Lord, may we face the future with courage and strength, knowing, Lord, that your, your power sets us free indeed. 
that anointing that breaks yokes of bondages in our life, Father. It is ours for the having, and we receive it by faith in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.